This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 320, submission number 988. Fish! Fish aired on the ABC television network from February 5th of 1977 to May 18th of 1978 for 35 episodes over two seasons. talk well first off we're going to talk about the winner of our election contest thank you for those who voted and as chico said at the end of the previous episode the two choices that weren't picked they're going to get a slot somewhere in the next year but what we're going to talk about today this is a spinoff of pretty big show in the 70s named barney miller and it's just sort of interesting when you look at spinoffs of big shows, yeah, you have spinoffs that are really good. If you talk about Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days, and if you talk about Family Matters spinning off of Perfect Strangers, again, two very big series. But it seems for like every good spinoff, you have a not so good spinoff. Do we need to talk about Joey, the Tortellis? Hey, as I mentioned before, I love the Tortellis, but not as much as I love Wings, because Wings wasn't the Tortellis as I established. All of this was established early on, yes. Wait, wait, we've actually established that the Tortellis is not Wings? Yes. Okay. Granted, it was similar in Tabra to Wings, but it was not Wings. Yeah, it was in that Cheers air. There's only one wings out there. I mean, you can't replicate success. Yeah, I know, you can't, but du- you can't duplicate perfection. I yeah. know, but wings is in the Cheers universe since I believe Frasier and Loaf were on wings. So, yeah, I was gonna say exactly that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. But so, yeah, for every Joey and every Tortellis, well, we get a fish. And Fish, as you might imagine, since we said it was spun off of Barney Miller, had to deal with a character from that show, from Barney Miller. And that person was Phil Fish, one of the detectives. And what's interesting is this show didn't follow Phil Fish's life at the precinct, at the police station. No, no, no. This was solely about his home life. It was about him, his wife, and their family life with their five foster kids. And actually, there was the sixth person, uh, a college student, 
who was assisting uh, Fish and his wife in, in raising and supervising the kids. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So this is all about the home life. This was nothing about the police department, nothing about being a detective. No, this is all centered wholly around the household. So this was basically a family comedy, whereas Barney Miller was a workplace comedy. Yeah, it would be a workplace comedy if you think about it. Maybe not in the classic sense of a workplace, you know, being a police station, but yeah, it, it, it's a, a home life comedy. Yep. And starring uh, as the title character, again, coming straight from Barney Miller, playing Phil Fish, is the legendary, the one and only Abe Vigoda. First time I think we've mentioned him on this podcast. Oh, yes. Abe Vigoda, an absolute all-time legend. And really, outside of Fish and Barney Miller, what has he done? Uh, I know he did Godfather, but besides that... He did Good Burger. He was in Good Burger. You remember? Too old for Good Burger. No, I'm too, no, but Good Burger came out when I was like 23 or so. I've never seen Good Burger. Oh, how could you have never seen Good Burger, Chico? Can you believe that? He's I never... can't believe. It was like I would have thought that Mike would have been the first one of us to see Good Burger. Because you know, Keenan Thompson, brilliant minds in the making, and Kel Mitchell, the guy who played off of Keenan Thompson. Okay, clearly you don't know me that well because you do realize the last time I was in a movie theater was 2005. Yeah, but I mean, come on. It is streaming like everywhere at this point. Okay, but, you know, I'm a busy working person raising my own house, working 40 plus hours a week. I'm not actively going out and looking for Good Burger. I'm sorry. Maybe I should. I'll just admit it. Maybe I should. And Hot Rod's on Pluto TV right now, streaming on demand, so you need to watch that, too. When you mentioned Hot Rod, I don't know if you're talking about Roddy Roddy Piper, Rowdy Ronda Rousey, or Hot Rod from Transformers the Movie. I'm talking about Hot Rod the Movie of Andy Samberg from 2007. Oh, that Hot Rod. Okay. Yes. I I was hoping you were talking about Hot Rod Williams, the former player for the Cavaliers. Never thought we'd have a reference to Hot Rod Williams from the Cleveland Cavaliers on this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, I was looking at the credits for Abe Pagoda, and you'd be surprised as to many things he was in. Of course, he was Salvatore Tessio in two of the three Godfather movies. He played a send-up of that character, Salvatore Balestra, in Batman Mask of the Phantasm from 1993. The animated movie based on the animated series. Yes. Brilliant. Oh, wait, hold on. He was in Look Who's Talking, Pagoda. As Grandpa. He was uh, Kirstie Alley's daddy. Yes, and you know what's so hilarious? Okay, even in 1989, when that movie came out, I thought he was like at least like 80 or 90 years old. And like he lived to like, what, the late 2000s, early 2010s? He died in 2016. Oh, God! A few weeks before, believe it or not, a few weeks before his 95th birthday. Oh! (laughs) So by the time he was in Look Who's Talking, 15 years prior to that... 25? Hold on. No, it was 25 years prior to that. Oh, yeah, 25. My mistake. 
Guys, if the movie came out in 1989 and Abe died in 2016, that means it is 27 years and not 25. Do I have to do everything around here? He would have been 70. So he would have been the appropriate age of being a grandfather. Also, thank you for adding some of the roles that he did outside of Godfather and Barney Miller and Fish. But also, if you are of this generation, and when I say this generation, I'm talking about people who would have seen Late Night with Conan O'Brien between like the start, like 93, 94, and probably right near the end of his NBC run, the, the Late Night run. So we're talking 08, 09. He was a semi-regular, I'm not even going to say guest. He appeared in skits. I mean, it seemed like Conan O'Brien had a couple of like, I don't want to say legends. I'm going to say legends, but not legendary legends. It seems like Conan O'Brien had Nipsey Russell and Abe Vigoda on speed dial. And whenever he needed a comic foil, uh, he'd get one of the old time actors. And of course, Abe Vigoda, he was basically the Tony Randall of late night with Conan O'Brien. Kind of like how Tony Randall is on Letterman all the time. Or Regis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the same sort of vibe, just a, a different person. But yeah, so that's where you know him from. I mean, you know, him for, if you're of a certain age, you know him from Barney Miller. If you are from the next generation, if you remember seeing him on uh, Late Night with uh, Conan O'Brien, yeah, everybody knows who he is. Plus, also remember there was a web page for the longest time. Wasn't it like is Avagoda Alive dot com? Oh no, I think it was is Avagoda Dead dot com. Is Avagoda Dead dot com? No, 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 no. And then the day he died, yes. <laughs> yeah, back in the good old days of the internet. Yeah, and believe it or not, that website is still active. If you go to isabecodadead.com, you'll see yes, followed by his life, from February 24th, 1921 to January 26th, 2016. Very nice. Moving on with the cast, his wife was named Bernice, and she was played by Florence Stanley. You would probably remember her as Judge Wilbur on My Two Dads. Oh, My Two Dads. Well, you remember how, uh, the judge on My Two Dads. She was sort of that crusty judge who you know, didn't take any crap from anybody. Yeah, she ordered the two dads to live with each other. You can't count on me no matter what you do. You can't count on me. Yeah. And another place you might remember her from is she was the voice of the grandmother, Grandma Ethel Phillips, on Dinosaurs. We love dinosaurs on this podcast. We really do. And I've mentioned this in the past. Not for her. I've mentioned it for uh, another person that we've talked about a few times. She played her role of Judge Wilbur, not just on My Two Dads, but on one episode of Night Court, the episode where Bull goes on the game show, What Am I? Because what happens in that episode is Judge Harry Stone, he gets stuck in Buffalo due to a blizzard. They have to call in a substitute judge. They call in Judge Wilbur. And um, 
<laughs> and Dan Fielding, he uh, gets charged with contempt in court. And uh, at the same time, they're trying to hypnotize Bull to get over his stage fright uh, to appear on this game show. And so the trigger phrase uh, that sort of puts him in the, uh, the this trance or whatever. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to let Dan Fielding say it. Oh, I want to be your love slave. <laughs> Sir, Mr. Shannon just won. And we're on the air live. You pervert. What? So what happens is Bull gets on the show, ends up winning. And the thing is, the only person who can trigger that phrase in Bull is Dan Fielding. So you had like Marky Post, uh, Christine Sullivan saying it and other people saying it. And oh, well, I appreciate that, Christine, but I'm not really that attracted to you. So Dan finally gets out of jail and gets to the TV studio right after Bull wins. And he gets on stage and says, Bull, I want to be your love slave. (laughs) (laughs) You have to find that episode. That is an absolutely hilarious episode. And also, this has to do with the whole plot about uh, Dan Fielding was running for public office at that time. So after this happens, you hear the newscast and Dan Fielding put his foot in his mouth or something like that because, yeah, he did this on this live TV show. Great episode. But yeah, that's where you'd know uh, Florence Stanley from. And again, if you saw her face or or heard her voice, you'd know exactly who we're talking about. Yeah, definitely if you heard her voice. Not with us any longer. She passed away in 2003. Yeah. And the original premise was going to be Fish and Bernice, their daughter, and their daughter's Suter. This is from Danny Arnold, who created both the character Fish on Barney Miller and this show with Theodore J. Flicker. ABC was uh, contemplating a spinoff as early as 1975 with that premise, with occasional visits to the 12th Precinct. They wanted an episode of Barney Miller to serve as the backdoor pilot to this show. Ultimately, they got one with a second season episode called Fish. But as I mentioned, ultimately, it became Phil, Bernice, and their five foster kids. Plus, like I said, a college student who's helping out with the family. And we're going to go over those five precocious scamps right now. All right. Let's start with precocious scamp number one. Playing Victor Kreutzer, that precocious scamp, is John Cassisi. And really, the only other thing that he may be remotely known for, besides Fish, is he was in the movie Bugsy Malone in 1976. Not really a long career. Oh, he was also in the Kentucky Fried movies, something we've talked about in the past. Yeah, he was one of the teenagers who was getting uh, oil sucked out of their faces in the Argon sketch. Playing Jilly Papalardo, uh, that precocious scamp, 
We've talked about her. We talked about her not that long ago. I think we talked about her in She Wolf of London slash Love and Curses, Denise Miller. And Denise Miller, besides this, she was also known for playing Billy Bunker on Archie Bunker's Place. She was also on Platypus Man. I remember Platypus Man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Homer Simpson was very upset when Pride of Us Man got canceled, along with the Cosby Mysteries, a show according to Homer that had limitless possibilities. I thought he also misses Sheriff Lobo. I miss Sheriff Lobo. I mean, that might have been the only UPN show that Homer ever missed. I mean, you're not going to hear him talk about Head Over Heels, just saying. And also, uh, one other credit for Denise Miller that we definitely have talked about in the past. She played Tina Minucci on Making It. Making it, this time in life I'm taking it. No more, no more. Go back to episode 110. Yeah, one, yeah we talked about that last week because that was the first episode I came back. And I was still a little drugged over, I think. Hey, any excuse to talk about Rebecca Balding on this podcast will go for Next, playing Mike Ferroni, that precocious scamp Mike Ferroni, is Len Barry. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. I, I haven't heard of him either. This is like his only real major role. Besides this, literally, one episode of Quincy, one episode of Hill Street Blues, that's it. That's it. Talk about going out on a high note. Well, well, no, that was the first role of his career. It was all downhill from there, Greg. Oh, well, whatever. All right. Our fourth precocious scam. Notice they're all precocious and they're all scamps. Diane Polanski. She was played by Sarah Natoli. And, hey, you know, I just mentioned Len Berry and his career, how it went downhill after Fish. We got one better here. Sarah Natoli, she was Diane Pulaski in Fish. And then after that, she appeared in the TV movie Death Penalty. And that's her career. So she had one role besides on Fish. This is not really a star-boosting acting choice, uh, at least among the kids at this point. Well, I mean, Denise Miller had a good career. But we still have one scamp to go. Maybe fortunes will change. You guys judge for yourself. The fifth precocious scamp on this show, Loomis, was played by Todd Bridges. Yeah, he did nothing. He he had no career, just like everybody else on the show that was a kid. What you talking about, Michael? <laughs> but yeah, obviously, Todd Bridges, he was Willis uh, Jackson. And really, that's all we really need to say. He was Willis Jackson. And really, if you think about it, if Fish ran longer than two seasons, he probably wouldn't have been Willis Jackson. He'd still be working on Fish, probably. So talk mm -hmm. about uh, a, a lucky move. Fish getting canceled, and then later that year in 1978, he becomes Arnold Jackson, and literally the rest is history. Yeah, think about this. If Fish didn't get canceled, Todd Bridges doesn't land different strokes. Todd Bridges also doesn't land High School USA. 
Oh, oh no. Oh, that would ruin everything. What would happen with Otto's robot? Well, what would happen with Otto's robot? Good question. Uh, I, I guess the robot, instead of making love to the uh, vending machine, would make love to a, a super Pac-Man machine. <laughs> the moral of the story, the Seattle Seahawks should have gone with a red play. Jeez! Oh, wow! I was not expecting uh, any sort of callback to that Super Bowl. Jeez. He shouldn't have thrown the ball to Russell Wilson. He should have just handed it off to Marshawn. Oh, Lynch. there's many things that Russell Wilson should not have thrown lately. Oh, hold on. Oh, 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 oh no. What did, what, you what, what did I do? What the hell yeah, did Chico, I do? Chico, this is all your fault. <laughs> Greg, what? What the heck are you want, Greg? Hold on a second. Queuing it up here. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. Shut the f up! <laughs> I agree, PFT. Shut the F up, Russell. Oh, boy. <laughs> too bad 90% of that's going to be bleeped, but sure, whatever. Uh, yeah. The only thing that's okay. going to be bleeped out is PFT saying the F word. <laughs> but, but, oh, did you? Hold on a second. Because we're recording this right before the Broncos are going to be playing in uh, London or wherever. They're playing in London, right? Yes. Okay. Well, hold on a second. This is CNN Breaking News. Yeah, apparently Russell Wilson was, like, doing stretches while on the plane while everyone was asleep. Now, I've never been on an airline flight to London. I would like to be on an airline flight to London one day, but I imagine I'm going to use those five hours to, you know, sleep. Old dude is doing planks and whatnot in the aisles. What the? Now you see why the Broncos are two and five. Because A, Nathaniel Hackett is a terrible head coach. And I watched all the plays he ran last week with Brett Rippon against the Jets. Oh my god. Brett Rippon like overthrew his receivers like constantly by like twenty yards. And B, Russell Wilson is like old. Like, I don't know. This is like the theme of 2022. Like, all the old QBs, they old. Old QBs are old, yeah. But I guess the point we're trying to make is... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm going to counter, Greg. Russell Wilson is not that old. He'll be 34 later this month. November 29th, he'll turn 34. But, I mean, oh, comparing him to... No, no. Comparing him to Rodgers and Brady, where Rodgers is like 39 and Brady is like Methuselah, I don't think it's a fair comparison, but he's been around the block a while, yeah. I guess the point we're really trying to make here is, had the winds stood fair for Fish, Todd Bridges' career would have been a whole lot different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we are talking about fish. Yeah, but you make a very good point there. Yeah. 
So yeah, thank you for sucking fish. We got uh Willis Jackson out of it. <laughs> yeah, you put it that way. There's one other name we need to talk about. Uh, we talked about this college student who assists Bernice and Phil in raising these five precocious scamps, the foster kids. And this is a name we've mentioned plenty of times in the past, playing Charlie. Uh, and again, as I said, he's a college student. He's majoring in child psychology, so he could definitely help out if you think about it with these kids. Barry Gordon. Yep. Barry Gordon at this point, you know, would be, I want to say, 10 years away from a career-making role for him as Donatello on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that'd be about 10 years away, give or take, yeah. And of course, since we can't leave this bait dangling here, this carrot dangling, we have to take it. He was on the last week of Match Game Hollywood Squares an hour. Let's also remember this is the week that Gene Rayburn on the Monday episode said to Morgan Fairchild, You're gorgeous. It all comes full circle. It all comes back around to eventually uh, some of the shows we've covered, Match Game Hollywood Squares. And and at some point, we've got to mention Greg Gitson taking out a guy's knee on few. But yeah, whatever. Well, well let's get to the show itself, all right? Hey, hey, Mike. He was also yeah. on an episode of Super Train. He was Billy Boy Brennan in Where Have You Been, Billy Boy? That's great. Oh, no. Now that we've mentioned Super Train, we get to hear Greg uh, talk about Keenan Wynn showing the Super Train off. Yeah, that's right. Because remember, Keenan Wynn, he invented that Super Train. He went hours and hours thinking about the Super Train. And he couldn't wait to show it off to those people. He knew once he showed the super train, they'd be like, holy crap, this is amazing, Keenan Wynn. Well, you guys have all heard the opening to this show since, I think it was like, what, episode 301 or so? When 310. We started the new, uh, open. 310. Oh, it's only been uh, five weeks? All right. But still, you've heard the new opening in the last month or so. All right. How about we get down to brass tacks and talk about some episodes now that we've got the major players out of the way again pretty big regular cast here when you're talking about two parents a college kid helping out and five precocious scamps okay five foster kids i've used that precocious scamps line too much let's get to some episodes since we have 35 of them we're going to get through this hopefully pretty quickly we'll find out uh episode one first episode was titled the really longest day Phil and Bernice arrive for their first day at their new job, taking care of five juvenile delinquents with no other place to stay. So it sounds like the type of episode that sort of describes everything. It sort of sets the plot, sets the scene. What's the term that you'd use, Chico? Expository? Exposition, yes. There you go. So it's an expository episode. We don't have any major guests on this first episode, but we do want to mention the writers of this episode. And actually, they wrote a couple of episodes. Looks like they wrote three episodes. We're talking about Barbara Avedon and Barbara Corday. They would later go on to create Cagney and Lacey. Oh, and actually, I'm taking a look at Barbara Corday. 
She wrote an episode of Turnabouts. Oh, oh boy. Oh God, why? Do... I was taking a look at IMDb and what's between Cagney and Lacey, which is like 1981 and 1977-78 Fish. Right there, 1979 Turnabout. And actually, Barbara Avedon wrote it as well. They both wrote an episode of Turnabout, the same episode of Turnabout. Oh my Well, they gosh. are writing partners. <sighs> but it's Turnabout! Why? <laughs> that nightmare couldn't come from one person's mind alone. I'm sorry. Alright, let's go to episode two. We need a palate cleanser after talking about Turnabout. Episode two is called The Car. When Mike borrows Fish's car without permission, he has the kid arrested for theft. Whoops. Oh, I thought I was going to hear a Susan. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, when you are a police detective, you can do certain things, and arresting people at will would be one of them. In this episode, we have one big name. Playing Officer Sheldon in this episode is Sidney Clute. We just talked about the writing team that went on to uh, create Cagney and Lacey. He was Detective Paul LaGuardia on Cagney and Lacey. That's right, he was. Episode three is titled Power Play. When Victor suddenly starts waving money around, Fish discovers him to be a bagman for betting cards. Good heavens. Susan, how many appearances are you going to make on this episode? These kids are really precocious scamps. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. They need to quit these mean streets. Let's just say that much. You'd think their foster father, being a policeman, would break them of that habit. Okay, well, maybe not in the first three episodes, but eventually. Certainly by episode four. Oh, episode four is one of those that I saw. It was a number of weeks ago, but no, the, the, there's no crime here. The, the kids aren't getting into trouble. It's uh, some trouble of another sense in the fish household. Cold cash. With no budget to work with, it looks like a long, cold winter without any heat. The furnace dies right in the opening scene of the show, Fish and his wife are told how much it'll be, and it's going to be a lot of money, and they can't afford it. And they struggle with, and if you've never, if you've ever had no furnace in the middle of winter, and I've had that even just for like a couple of days, it's no fun. So I fully understand where they're coming from. Playing the repairman in this episode is John Lamada. He was Trevor Rachmanic on Alf. He was Mr. Rachmanic. So he played the husband to Liz Sheridan. Yeah, he played Liz Sheridan's husband. Yep. So yeah, pretty big name there, especially if you're a kid of the 80s and early 90s. You know that uh, about Alf. All right, let's go to episode five, which is titled Fish's Job. Fish applies for a job working security at a million-dollar facility. In this episode, we actually have a father and daughter appearing as Ed Dunnigan and Peggy Dunnigan, respectively. Playing Ed Dunnigan is Richard Shaw, and you'd know Richard Shaw as Chuckles the Clown 
from the Mary Tyler Moore show. One of the funniest episodes ever is when he died. You guys have heard about the Chuckles the Clown episode, right? Oh, yeah, that's a classic of television. And playing Peggy Dunnigan is his daughter, Wendy Shaw. And we've talked about her numerous times in the past because, one, she was on Making a Living, but also, two, she plays Francine Smith's voice on American Dad. Yes. And you know how much we love American Dad around here, right, guys? Oh, yeah, we love American Dad around here. So, really... uh, Two, I'll say legends, if you will. I mean, Wendy Shaw hasn't uh, done much big, but the thing is, yeah, again, making a living, it's a living, and American Dad, two pretty popular shows. Episode six is titled Bernice's Problem. Bernice decides to visit a psychiatrist, and Victor gets tutored in English by a pretty classmate. A pretty classmate? Hold on. A pretty classmate, yeah. Wow. And unfortunately, the pretty classmate has not done much in terms of television. Hasn't done anything since 1978. Since family. So we'll just skip on to episode seven. Episode seven is titled The Neighbors. When the neighbors begin to boycott the kids, Fish decides to hold an open house to show them how wrong they are about his delinquent charges. Well, you know, they did get into trouble early on, maybe between uh, episodes two and three and and this episode, episode seven, maybe they got better. I don't know. Maybe that lack of heat told them, you know, don't be little incorrigible punks. I don't know. We do have a couple of names here. Uh, first, uh, Mrs. Lester in this episode, we just talked about this woman literally on the Mr. President episode, Kay Cowan. Yeah, I remember saying that she did everything. This was one of the things she did. You did say that, yes. And playing Joni Kellen is Melody Thomas Scott. Oh, yes, Melody Thomas Scott. Of course... The Young and the Restless. What more needs to be said? And not an actor, but directing this episode? Gnome Pitlick. He's directed everything. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. He's done many, many, many things. Definitely a known entity, as it were. Barney Miller, Taxi. He even did Wings. 27 episodes of Wings, Greg. 27. Including Greg. Are you sitting down? Yeah. Are you sitting, Greg, I want you sitting down for this. He was the director on the episode uh, The Tennis Bum, which is where the blimp yes! uh, got yes! uh, smashed. The blimp! Yes. The blimp. Whoa. Yes. The blimp that Lowell had smashed because Roy was an idiot and didn't knock. Forget Joe said, I'm going to fly Lowell's blimp. And Roy destroyed the blimp by opening the door without knocking. And really, I think this episode is maybe Greg's second most favorite episode. 
Uh, unfortunately, Noam Pitlick did not uh, direct the episode where uh, they went to go see Rent. I want to see Rent. I want to see Rent. No, no, no. That's not how you do it. It's I want to see Rent. Yeah, you got to put a little southern drawl into it. Yeah, but that's uh, I want to see, want... see Rant. I want to see Rant. I want to see Rant. <laughs> but yeah, he's a legend. He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, hasn't been with us for a very long time, almost 25 years. Died in early 1999. Now I want to see Rent. All right. <laughs> hey, blame Greg. Episode eight is titled Fire. I hope Beavis and Butthead don't make an appearance here. Fire, fire, fire! <laughs> Detective Arthur Dietrich from the 12th Precinct drops by for lunch as Fish wonders if Victor has become a dangerous fire bug. And when we mention the name uh, Detective Arthur Dietrich, again, goes back to Fish. And here's another person we just literally mentioned the previous episode, Steve Landisberg. So Dietrich is wondering if Victor is starting to set fire all over the place. Yeah, wondering if he's a, a, an arsonist, a, a firebug. Yep. Now, where would he get that idea, I wonder? Well, I think we've already said he's a precocious scamp. I think we've mentioned that like a dozen times. So, yeah, he, he's a precocious little scamp. Oh, and also, I, I should mention uh, a writer of this episode... But also, I saw this person's name on other episodes. Since we talked about this earlier this episode, I, I think it's appropriate we bring it up. One of the writers here, Reinhold Wiege, from Night Court. Created Night Court. Oh, I always thought it was pronounced Weege. No, it's Wiege. And that's something Weege. I found out. Yeah, I, I found that out watching uh, one of the first uh, two or three seasons on DVD. One of the special features... Uh, got into like behind the scenes stuff, and yeah, it's Reinhold Wiege. It's not Wiege. It's Wiege. And just in case you don't know, Dan Fielding's given name, Reinhold, after Reinhold Wiege. Excuse me. Uh, could you pass me the sugar, please, Reinhold? <laughs> just stop that now. Just stop it. Okay, Reiny. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Yeah, bye. Bye, Ernie. Bye, Dan. <laughs> Little maggot. How dare you come in here and ruin my life by telling everybody my name is Reinhold. Hey, hey, hey. Just thank your lucky stars I didn't tell them about the accordion. <laughs> So you guys learned something here. You not only learned Dan Fielding's birth name, but you also learned how to say Reinhold's last name. Again, we don't just entertain here. We also try to educate from time to time. All right, we're going to episode nine, The Social Worker. A psychiatrist from social welfare drops by to investigate the group home dynamic. Makes sense. Especially with a psych student living and taking charge of things. Well, also when you have five kids uh, 
who, who've tried setting fire, apparently, have stolen a car. Yeah. I get it. All right. Going to episode 10. Episode 10 is titled Fish and Roots. You could probably take a guess where this might be going just based on that title. When Loomis questions where he came from, Charlie invites over an exchange student from Africa who puts the boy in touch with his roots. And actually another big name as a writer in this episode. In this episode, you had Sheldon Bull as a writer. Sheldon Bull, I personally know him best as a producer on New Heart. He produced many episodes of New Heart. I know him best from his work on Coach. Coach, too. You're absolutely right about that. Two yeah. very good series there. It's like Newhart and Coach were basically cut from the same thread, it seems like. In some ways, I can agree with that. And he also did many episodes of Mom. And currently, EP on Call Me Cat. Yeah. Oh, we have a name in this episode. Okay. Oh, we do. Oh, 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 yeah, we do. Yep. Play the role of Roger Kutumba, Herb Jefferson Jr. From, you know, he was Boomer on the original Battlestar Galactica. Like the original, original Battlestar Galactica. Well, that wasn't where I thought you were going, because uh, another crossover from Barney Miller uncredited but appearing in this episode as barney miller himself is hal linden all right that takes us to episode 11 anniversary mr and mrs fish plan to celebrate their 38th wedding anniversary on the same night diane has her first date and playing that first date for diane uh his name is edwin the character played by daryl morey he was Mario Mastorelli on Joni Loves Chachi. That has Ooh. to be an eventual cover, Joni Loves Chachi. Oh, definitely. Oh, fun fact. He was actually a newsboy in a 1975 episode of Barney Miller. So it goes back to the parent show. Okay. Uh, for all we know, Edwin could very well be the newsboy. Okay, that's going to take us to episode 12. The adoption. The Lesters, who we mentioned uh, previously, they decide to solve their childless situation by adopting one of the kids from the group home. And again, uh, Mrs. Lester is played by Kay Callen. And it seems like we're going to be losing a character soon. I guess we'll find out which one momentarily when we go to the next episode. Uh, the next episode is called The New Kid. Loomis clashes with a new arrival at the group home, both younger and shorter than he is. Okay, so let's take a look. Who is gone and who is new to the cast? I'm looking. I don't see any of the five kids gone, any of the original five. It looks like the sixth kid, character name is Manuel Orlando, played by David Yanez. But it doesn't look like anybody, uh, any of the original five kids are off this episode. So maybe that's coming eventually. Or maybe we have a case of they adopted him and all of a sudden they changed their mind. Who knows? 
I was going to say that may be uh, the case as well. And there's one way to see if Chico's right about that. If the new kid only lasted one episode, but there is one little issue, not really an issue, one little hurdle. That episode was the last episode of season one. So to answer the question that Chico mentioned, we're going to have to go into season two. This is the end of season one, introducing this new kid. Let's see if he sticks around into season two. But we'll get to season two after a little commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes. We'll start talking about season two. We've got to do this very delicately now because that's a $10,000 antique. So we'll take it from here. Blow it over to column one. And when we return, and return we will, after this commercial break, we're going to add something to it. Fish. Thursday. I, I want to say something to you that I, I never thought I'd say. Yeah? Your dress is ready. Harris really goes undercover on Barney Miller. Then will Bert get the answer he's been waiting for? You're living with a girl and dating a boy, so which one's your girlfriend, the boy or the girl? Find out on Soap. Tomorrow night on ABC. Security Pacific Bank is giving away something we sincerely hope you'll never need, a highway emergency kit. If you let us help you finance a new or used car, truck, or recreational vehicle. It has a flashing light, a fire extinguisher, flashlight and batteries, siphon, a first aid kit, and more. Now, we know that a free highway emergency kit won't make you run out and buy a new vehicle. But if you're thinking about it anyway, why not get a loan from the bank you don't have to think about? Security Pacific Bank. There's a new excitement in small cars. AMC's new Spirit DL. Let the Spirit move you. Let the Spirit move you. Let the Spirit move you to beautiful style. Let the Spirit move you to a beautiful ride. Let the Spirit move you. Let the Spirit move you. Sporty looks, corduroy bucket seats, and a sleek instrument panel. American Motors has the Spirit. Let the Spirit move you. Smile. Everyone's talking about Kodak's new Color Burst, the low-priced motorized instant camera that gives you what no other instant camera can. Bright, brilliant, bursting color by Kodak. I'll prove it. From bright whites to reds, greens, yellows, whatever. There's your proof. New Color Burst cameras. After all, isn't color the way to choose an instant camera? Color Burst. New instant cameras from Kodak. Saturday, the Love Boat Sales with Three's Company's Norman Fell. I'm here to live it up. Then, on Fantasy Island, a lucky guy plays Three's Company. And Sonny Bono swashbuckles for Diana Canova after Love Boat. Saturday night on ABC. So season two actually started... Just a, a little bit over a month after season one ended, because season one, uh, the last episode was in August of 1977, and the new season started September of 77. So not much of a break there, which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing too, but we'll see. Well, obviously we know it's not going to last outside of season two, so maybe it's not that good. Episode one of season two is The Missing Fish. On the day of his retirement... Fish doesn't show up for work. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, what are they going to do? Fire him? Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, you don't show up for work on the day of your retirement. I thought that's how retirement works. I think that's how it's supposed to work, yeah. 
Hey, we do have a name in this episode. And actually, it's somebody we didn't talk about that long ago. Playing Detective Ryan in this episode is George Murdoch. We talked about him a number of months ago on What a Country. He played Laszlo Gabov. Going to episode two of season two, Retirement Blues. Oh, no. This sounds like he's got regrets already about retirement. He just retired. Now he's got the Retirement Blues. And actually, there is no plot listed here uh, on IMDb, but I think we can sort of suss out, yeah, Fish is now bored in retirement. Uh, I actually have the uh, synopsis from Google here. It says, bored by retirement, Fish goes out for a night on the town. Did you see a return uh, of uh, Jackman played by Ralph Monza? Did we talk about him earlier? No, nope. uh, he is a recurring player. He was in an episode from season one. Now he's in an episode of season two. And you probably remember him playing Bud on 18 episodes of New Heart. Early episodes, I'm going to assume. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he was also a regular on Banachek. There you go. NBC mystery movie there. Banachek. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just me. We don't give enough love to... The NBC mystery movies, Columbo, Banachek, Macmillan and Wife. Well, we do give enough love to two people that were on Macmillan and Wife. Number one is Susan. Uh oh. Uh oh. And number two is John Shuck. So we do give uh, some love to them. Aw, Shuck. Hey, all we we need are some characters from Heck Ramsey and Ten Up Lie and the Snoop Sisters, and we would have hit for the cycle. Let's go to episode three, which is called Fish Behind Bars Part One. Against his better judgment, Fish is persuaded to join a senior citizen's protest demonstration only to find himself arrested. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Obviously, after part one of that uh, episode is part two, Fish Behind Bars Part Two. Fish is released from jail, but his arrest may lead to his being removed from his job as a house parent at the group home. Uh, we have the return of Janet Gerber, the uh, resident psychologist, I want to say. Yeah, she was the psychologist, yeah. She, by the way, is played by Victoria Huxtable, who was not in much else besides this, but, you know. All right, episode five in season two is Fish and the Rockstar. Do you have a plot by chance? I do. An overnight visit by a rock singer affects everyone. Oh, I'm sure in this episode, uh, Abe Vigoda's character, uh, Phil Fish, I'm sure he just loves having a rock singer in the house. Just saying. No. (laughs) No, he does not. That's the joke. Playing the role of the rock singer, Johnny Sultan, John Lansing who would be better known as a writer and producer for shows like Walker, Texas Ranger and Renegade. Oh, Greg, Greg, hold on, Greg. You heard Chico say that uh, this John Lansing was a producer on Walker, Texas Ranger? Yes. Take a guess uh, what one of the episodes he produced was. Was it the Walker told me I have AIDS episode? (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh, uh, yes. The, the two-parter, yes. Oh, wait, it was a two-parter? 
Oh, it was a two-parter, yeah. Oh, God. What dramatic... Yeah. <laughs> How much drama do you need to get out of Haley Joel Osment saying that he has AIDS? Oh, my gosh. I'm just reporting what I see. I know what episode it is. It's titled Lucas. But I didn't know it's a two-parter until right now. I thought it was a one-parter. Wait a second. Hold on a second. I just remembered something. Do you remember the Haley Joel Osment was Little Forrest and Forrest Gump? Yes. That answers your question. Now, tune in next week when we figure out how Haley Joel Osment and Emily Osment can possibly be related. That takes us to episode six of season two, which is called Fish's Daughter. Fish's daughter Beverly incurs her father's wrath as she prepares to marry a much older man. Yeah, this was actually supposed to be the original premise of the show. Like, we meet Fish, his wife, his daughter, and her fiancé. In this particular case, Beverly Fish is played by Adrian Royce, who didn't do much outside of this. She was in two episodes of Starsky and Hutch, where she played two different characters, and she was in one episode of The Bionic Woman. But the person she's marrying, Roland, is played by Philip Sterling. He played Dr. Simon Weiss on St. Elsewhere, and he's definitely a much older person. Died in 1998. Uh, would have just celebrated his 100th birthday uh, within the last month if he was still alive. All right, we're going to episode seven. Episode seven in season two is Jilly's Job. I, another one that I don't have a plot for. I got you, bro. I bet you, I, bet you, I was going to say, I bet you Chico's going to back me up. I got, hey, I got you. Hey, we're, we're brothers. We can do this. Jilly's job. Jilly takes a modeling job that is asked to pose nude. Oh, jeez. I'm glad you handled that and not me. Okay. Yeah, the less said the better. Just ugh, let's move on. Let's, let's let's just move on, shall we? Uh, to episode eight in season two called Separate... Uh-oh, Separation. This doesn't sound good. Yeah, Meryl Wosley fish without a bed for the night. And returning for directorial duty would be Noam Pitlick. All right. Uh, no guess on there, so we're going to go to episode nine, which is A Fish Christmas. Chico? Fish dampens the youngsters' Christmas plans by forbidding them to buy a real tree or expensive gifts. I think this is another one that I just like randomly uh, watched. And again... Sort of like going back to like episode three in season one uh, when the uh, the furnace broke. Yeah, it's all about the money. It's either you get a really good Christmas tree or you guys get really good presents, but you can't get both. So obviously there's some financial issues in this house. All right, that takes us to episode 10, Mike's career. Go for it, Chico. An older woman has conditions for financing Mike's career. Older woman is Mrs. Wilson, and playing her is Dorothy Green, who played Jennifer Brooks on nine episodes of The Young of the Restless, but was known primarily for her work in the movies during the 50s and 60s. And Greg, she was on 
five different movies in the Walt Disney Anthology series. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, Moochie of the Little League, a Diamond is the Boy's Best Friend, Moochie of the Little League, Wrong Way Moochie, and three Swamp Fox movies, all from 1959 and 1960. And uh, another big name as a director. We talked about Noam Pitlick. Here's another big name. Gary Shimakawa. He did uh, Archie Bunker's Place, an episode of Golden Girls. He did What's Happening Now, ALF. Done a lot of stuff. Just a big name I recognized uh, going through the credits here. All right. Episode 11 for season two, Close Encounters of the Fishy Kind. A local eccentric helps fish realize the value of fantasy. And the eccentric in this episode was uh, named Harry. He was played by Sean McClory. Did a lot of things, but didn't really do a lot of episodes of any particular TV show. But it, it looks like he was actually the, the one series that looks like he had a decent run on was the Californians. Uh, and just taking a look at his roles here. And this isn't a, a round of is it typecasting, obviously. But he was on a ton of Westerns back in the 50s and early 60s. That takes us to episode 12 in the second season. The Million Dollar Misunderstanding. Fish faces a dilemma when an error gives him one million dollars. Well, I could totally get that. I mean, after all, this is uh, the Fish household. And they've been pretty much doing enough to get by for the last two seasons. Yeah, they can now go buy a Christmas tree and Christmas gifts and a furnace. They can fix all their wrongs from earlier in this series. But remember, this is Fish, because give Bill Fish all the credit in the world, he always does the right thing. He does uh, the best thing for his family. Family first. Even though it's more or less a foster family, but still, family's what matters. Yeah, so it's like, is he going to keep that money, or is he going to turn it back in, do the right thing? Is he going to look after his family? See, this is where the dilemma comes in. Episode 13 is titled A Fine Kettle of Fish. An auditor assigned to investigate the muddled financial records of the Fish group home becomes infatuated with Mrs. Fish. I wonder if this is sort of a continuation of the last episode, Regarding, you know, weird financial situations. Potentially, I don't know. It, it sounds like maybe there's something there. But we have a name, and this is a name we've talked about, even in the not-so-distant past. Playing Kellerman, who I'm going to assume is that auditor uh, who is infatuated with uh, Florence Stanley's character, is Norman Bartold. We didn't talk about him that long ago. I think this is going back to August. He played Mr. Brody on Teachers Only. And also, just to tie it in uh, with what we talked about last episode, Teachers Only, a Johnny Carson production. He was the medieval knight in the original Westworld movie. All right, going to episode 14, Charlie Resigns. Chico? A dispute with Fish causes Charlie to resign. Boy, that's pretty simple and straightforward. <laughs> that seems a little bit direct. Yeah, he gets in a fight with Fish. He leaves to Janet Gerber to report on why he got into a fight. She goes in and checks everything out. 
And, well, everything is settled within the half hour and he comes back. Because that's the way sitcoms work. Episode 15. This is the Valentine's Day episode. Because, well, first it aired February 9th of 78. But also the title, Love in Bloom. A shy schoolmate pursues Diane and Fish takes an aptitude test. Playing the role of the shy schoolmate Marvin would be Lanny Horn, who was more of a writer later in his career. He wrote Fast Food in 89, Skeeter in 93, Hot Springs Hotel from 1997 to 1998. Episode 16 is called It Shouldn't Happen to a Dog. The children adopt a dog. And a newspaper... Oh, oh no. A newspaper lists fish as dead. Oh, shit. Well, we did talk about that website earlier. Is com. So, yeah, maybe Abe Vagoda had been fooling uh, uh, people since the, uh, the late 70s, whether he's dead or not. I don't know. It's too bad bulletin boards didn't exist on the internet in 1978. There could have been a bulletin board, is fish dead? Or is dot fish dot dead? Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to assume this is probably uh, some sort of investigator uh, regarding uh, fish's potential death. Playing Sergeant Brenner in this episode is Ned Glass. He played Uncle Mo Plotnick on Bridget Loves Bernie, which will be covered in the near future. And also, he was Saul Cooper on Julia, a landmark series, Julia. Uh-huh. First major network series with an African-American female lead. So he said the guy's name was Ned Glass, right? Ned Glass, yeah. See, he related to Philip Glass. I'm kidding. That's why I didn't answer. Duh. Duh. All right. Let's go to episode 17 in season two. We're near the end. We're almost there. Love thy neighbor. When Bernice takes a job away from home, Phil feels neglected. But after a neighbor, Harriet, shows more than a casual friendship in the retired policeman, Phil perks up. I almost want to hear the buzzing and... That's Nugenics. He perks up? No, never mind. Those pills wouldn't exist for another 20 years. 20 years? More like 30 years. No, Viagra was 98. Oh, I thought you were talking about Nugenics. No, I, I just meant those. I said those pills in general. Yeah. And playing that neighbor, Harriet, is... Erica Yan. Erica Yan, she voiced Mama Mouskowitz in American Tale. Hold on, didn't we talk about her in the famous Teddy Z? Yes, we did. Uh, Mama Dina Zakalakis. Yes! Yes! And another thing that we definitely talked about her in uh, when we did the uh, famous Teddy Z, she was Madam Ruby in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, that's terrific. I see a bicycle. 
All right, let's get to episode 18, which is titled Sweet 16. As the other kids make plans for her Sweet 16 birthday, Jilly confides in Bernie's with a very mature request. I know what the request is. Jilly wants birth control pills. That's a very mature request. Oh my gosh. In this episode playing Chuck, I don't know if maybe that's one of the friends of uh, of Jilly, or one of the people going to the party. Looking at his age, it sort of makes sense because uh, he would have been about this age at that uh, point. Was an actor named Philip Brown. You would probably know him from your stories, if you will. Because taking a look at his IMDb, he's known for The City. He played Buck Houston in The City. He also played Buck Houston on Loving. So we have two soap operas from the 90s there. And also another uh, one of your stories that he was on, uh, he played Steve Kendall on Search for Tomorrow in 1982 and 1983. Outside of that, he was on the Colbys. He played Neil Kittredge on the Colbys. But also, he was on the Doris Day show back in the late 60s, early 70s. Played Billy Martin, not the Yankees manager. Just wanted to clarify that in case Greg thought the Yankees manager was on the door stage. From from 68 to 71, he would have had to have been a uh, bit of a youngin. He would have been a little kid because, like I said, looking at his age, he would have been probably about a teenager, give or take. Might have been maybe 20 or so at the oldest. So, yeah, he would have been probably like 10 years old when he was on the Doris Day show. Well, actually, he was born in 58 in uh, California, so when he gets to the Doris Day show, yeah, he would have been 10 years old. Yeah, the math works. Don't mess with the math teacher. Episode 19 uh, in Season 2 is Fire and Ice. After Bernice falls and takes bed rest, helpful widowed neighbor Harriet cooks for Phil. And again, playing Harriet is Erica Yan. We mentioned her uh, just a couple of episodes ago. She cooking for a married man. She crazy. Or she's being a good neighbor. Depends how you look at it. Yeah, that's true. Episode 20 is a pinch of class. When Bernice is out of town, Fish and the children decide to redecorate, but their plans are interrupted when Diane suffers a ruptured appendix. The last thing you want when you're redecorating is sepsis. Uh, sepsis is beyond that. I'm saying it because I had that two years ago and and you don't want, and and trust me, sepsis is not something you want to screw around with telling our audience that in advance, Mm -hmm. y'all know the reason why we talked about it last week. All right. Episode 21 is called for the love of Mike. Fish worries when Mike dates a wealthy girl. A plague said girl who does not have a credit, it looks like. Stacy Nelkin, who would be best known as Ellie Grimbridge in, for my money, the best of the Halloween movies, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. That's the only Halloween movie that's worth talking about. Halloween 3, that's it. Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. 
All right, guys, that takes us to the last episode. And we do sound like uh, we have a little bit of closure here. I think they may have known the writings on the wall. The last episode is called Chief Fish. Fish decides he will leave the children to become chief of police in a town in Georgia. Sounds like we have closure. He retired from New York. He's going down to uh, a town in Georgia to become the police uh, chief there. So, yeah, I mean, right there's your series. You have your closure. You don't have a new spinoff, though. So maybe, again, you know, there's closure, but also, I mean, ultimate closure in the sense of there's not going to be a either a third season or a spinoff of Fish, if you will, without the kids and the family. So about that, Mike, I am looking on Truth by Consensus Wikipedia here, and according to them, it said that the series itself had no set episode written as a finale, and that three years later, on an episode of Barney Miller, where Phil Fish would make a guest appearance, he said the money for the group home had been cut off, so the city took back the kids. And that Victor had gotten arrested for assault and battery, and Jilly had gotten pregnant and married the baby's father. And Loomis, he went over to NBC, and his last name turned into Drummond. Yeah, I'm guessing he went by his middle name on the show, Loomis, and his first name was actually Willis. Who knows? But yeah, all of that was uh, sussed out in Season 7, Episode 18, Lady and the Bomb. That would have been a later episode of Barney Miller. Would that have been final season? 81, 82? Maybe penultimate season. But normally we'd ask, hey, where did the show go wrong? But the thing of it is, the show actually did well for itself. But it was canceled after Season 2 when... And again, this is according to uh, the book Killing Willis from Different Strokes to the Mean Streets to the Life I Always Wanted by Todd Bridges. Fish was canceled after Abe Vigoda demanded more money for a third season than the producers were willing to pay. So again, the show really did well for itself and the uh, character's chemistry was spot on and it was actually a really good show to watch. By the way, you can watch almost all of the episodes of Fish if you are on Crackle. But Abe Pagoda wanted more money, and they were not willing to pay more money for more Fish. So I guess the character was cycled back into Barney Miller. And going back to something that you mentioned uh, just now, the reason I picked this series for the election show About two months ago, Decades had a weekend binge. The first part of the weekend was Bridget uh, Loves Bernie, which we talked about earlier. And the second part of the weekend was Fish, of all things. Because, I mean, if you look at the two shows, Bridget and Bernie only ran one season, so there's probably 22 episodes, give or take. And then Fish, obviously, we said 35. So that fills a weekend in pretty nicely there. And... That weekend, I know that Bridget Loves Bernie, the entire episode ran at least one uh, cycle, if not two cycles, and every episode of Fish did air as well. Because I actually set on my computer that I used to record stuff, I did a season pass on Fish, 
And I ended up with like 40 some recordings. So I've got the whole series on my laptop. But yeah, the show almost in its entirety is available on Decades. You can also stream it for free on Plex and Crackle. If you want to stream it on Fubo TV, you need to subscribe to that service. But if you can't be bothered with streaming or if you like the security of hard media, the entire series is also available as part of Shout Factory's Barney Miller Complete Series release. All right. Well, one thing I think we need to talk about is the scheduling, because taking a look at the schedule, this is not a good time for ABC on Saturday nights, because that's when this uh, originally aired. Uh, it's uh, started at 8.30 p.m. and it then went back to 8 p.m. I'll tell you the competition first, but then I want you to hear all the series that ABC put in between 8 and 9 p.m. time slot because there's shows we've talked about and there's shows that we're going to talk about. And there's one show that we're not going to talk about for obvious reasons. Uh, when Fish was on at 8.30 to start, it was up against, and these are two shows. Well, one of them was, I think, sort of waning. Actually, I think both were waning at this point in early 77. CBS had the Bob Newhart show. Because I think that only lasted till 78. So this is second to last season of Bob Newhart's show. And on NBC, I think this is the last season of this show, Emergency. It was on against the second half hour of Emergency. So two pretty big shows there. When it moved to 8 o'clock, again, still going up against Emergency, uh, but this would have been the, uh, the last season of uh, this show that it went up against on CBS, the Mary Tyler Moore show. So, so yeah, it went against real tough competition on both CBS and NBC. But again, if I give you the names of all the shows that either aired at 8 or 8.30 on ABC, only one had a decent uh, run. And you can guess which one it is. I'll just tell you right now, it's Wonder Woman. That aired summer of 77. But the other shows that aired on ABC from fall of 76 to uh, summer of 77, this is like a who's who of shows that we are going to cover or we have already covered. Obviously, Fish, Holmes and Yo-Yo, previously covered, Mr. T and Tina, on the list, Blansky's Beauties, on the list, and Sugar Time on the list. Outside of Wonder Woman, they could not find anything to stick around. And I think at this point, Wonder Woman, this was like the first year or like the pilot or something like that. So it wasn't even really on the schedule at this point. Yeah, and I think it would have moved to a CBS for season two, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, a ABC did not have any luck in 76, 77 in the 8 to 9 o'clock hour. Yeah, and it wouldn't have any luck in the 77, 78 season for that hour either. In fact, if you look at ABC's Saturday schedule, the only two hits in 77, obviously, would be Starsky and Hutch. And then in 77 at 10 o'clock would be... A little show from Aaron Spelling called 
the love boat. Uh, and actually, the competition uh, for the start of uh, Fall 77, uh, again, it went up against the Bob Newhart show because I said, uh, well, at this point, it's going to be the final season because it ended in 78. But on NBC, emergency, like I said, final season, now it's going up against the Bionic Woman. They just can't find a break. But however, there is a little bit of a break here because Fish eventually gets moved to Thursday nights. Thursday nights at 8.30. Well, I'm going to take back what I said about a little break because here's the competition. And uh, it's going against the second half hour of both of these TV shows. On CBS, a show that's at this point would be in probably its eighth season or seventh season, The Waltons. So that's not good competition. But also on NBC, the second half hour of, and I think this would have been the first year of uh, this show, Fish went up against chips. Fish and chips. Sometimes the jokes just write themselves. So yeah, it seemed like wherever it went, it was up against really, really, really tough competition. So you can't say it failed due to a lack of trying. It's just wherever it went, Boom, 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 boom. It got hit by good series after good series after good series. Yeah. It seems like they were trying different time slots for Fish. I remember one time it was on a Friday, but it was up against CPO Sharky. That didn't work, obviously. And then they tried it on a Monday when it was up against both Logan's Run on CBS and Little House on NBC. That didn't work. They just could not find any sort of time slot for it to grow and flourish and get the money that they needed to keep a Pagoda on for a possible Season 3. Because remember, they canceled Fish because a Pagoda wanted more money. Well, that's just about all we can say. The show did not work out in the favor of ABC and Fish, and maybe Abe Vigoda tried biting off a little more than he could chew. And unfortunately, Fish, as we sort of mentioned earlier, in the long line of spinoffs that just didn't click, it just unfortunately became a thing on TV. But a memorable thing on TV. Yes, people do make fun of Fish, but I got to give it credit. It tried. It had a good cast. I mean, we mentioned all the names going from Todd Bridges to Denise Miller to Florence Stanley. You can't say it had a bad cast. I mean, maybe you can because you know, how many of the people that were on the show only had one or two other TV shows? But still, you had some pieces there that worked and obviously went out to do bigger and better things. Well, that's it for this episode. Again, thank you for participating in the voting. Don't forget, if you'd like to revisit this episode at any time or any of our previous installments, 319 of them, or any of the live shows or any of the mini-sodes, any of the things we've done, remember, please go to www.itwasathingontv.com. Everything is there. And don't forget about our socials everywhere, except for Facebook. We're at It Was A Thing On TV. On Facebook, you have to add the word podcast. 
And also don't forget, please go to our YouTube page, subscribe to our YouTube page. I just noticed today, I, I don't check the YouTube page. That's not uh, one thing that I do. I'm not the person that uh, runs that page. But I noticed we had 260 some subscribers. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. We're a quarter of the way to a thousand. So when do we get those and, and, nice and, little YouTube plaques, huh? I think you got to wait till you get to like a hundred thousand to get that. Oh, dang it. Okay. So we're only 99,750 people away from getting a plaque. Okay. Something so, like that. Hang in there, Chico. We'll get there eventually. But also another thing I noticed on the YouTube page, for some reason, if you look at the total number of views for each episode, they're generally consistently between like 50 and 400 or 500 views. And then for some reason, and I don't think any of us can explain this, the Poison Ivy episode with Michael J. Fox and Nancy McKeon, that is 34,000 views. I can't explain it. How? I, I, I got nothing. I, I, I've got I, nothing. Yeah, I, I know there's outliers, you know, being the, the math teacher, the statistics teacher, but that's an outlier. When you have all sorts of like, in the 100, 200, 400 range, and then you've got one video that has 34,000. I don't get it. But you know what? We'll take it. But anyhow, going back to the YouTube, don't forget, please subscribe. Hit that notification bell. We'll keep you connected with our most recent updates. All righty. Next week. Oh, next week. Oh, this is going to be interesting next week. This really is going to be interesting because A... The first episode we're going to do is actually a listener request. Was this requested? How long ago? Was this back in spring, I think? I want to say it was spring. I can tell you right now, not to put too fine of a point on it, but the person who, I want to say the person who requested this maybe was on television over the last week. Maybe playing for a second chance, maybe. Maybe on a certain quiz show, maybe. Wow, Chico, that's amazing. I know what show you're talking about. Thank you to that person for listening. Oh, my gosh. That, that's a, a cool follower. I love it. So, yeah, we're going to get that listener request done kind of in a timely manner, if you think about it. Uh, well, yeah, I haven't seen the result of that show yet. But, yeah, uh, that person may be playing in future days. But also. Second episode. This is one that we've talked about for some time. We've talked about, well, this person's a Hall of Fame. We put this person in the Hall of Fame last year. And this show, uh, the the person who played uh, this character that left this long-running show, uh, he left because his plane was downed over the Sea of Japan. I think you know who we're talking about. Greg wants to build a statue of him in his backyard. I have no idea who we're talking about. But yeah, there's two episodes right there. That listener request and that show after the plane got downed in the Sea of Japan. Boy, who am I talking about? I don't know. But be here next week for both of those shows right here at It Was a Thing on TV. Again, as always, thank you for listening. We enjoy hearing from you. We enjoy uh, seeing uh, the ratings that you give us uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts and elsewhere. Please spread the word. We appreciate it. Have a good rest of the weekend. We'll see you coming up on Monday. 
Row! In the past year or so, soda manufacturers have scored a big hit by adding lime to their products. There's Coke with lime, there's Pepsi with lime, and many, many more. Well, our next character is the latest variation on soda with lime. Here's Vagoda with lime. Vagoda with lime. Vagoda. 